0: Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method, and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource, it's free, you should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to the podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step by step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running that's my blog remix method and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix hey everybody before we get started i want to thank my friends at hatch for producing this episode you can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm all right let's get in the show Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Distribution First. Super excited to have Parthy Ladder Drop on. We are going to get practical, tactical, really kind of get into the weeds a little bit on how to better repurpose and distribute probably content that you're already creating or most companies are planning to create, and then how you can use those pieces of content to Just build a little bit of momentum or build on top of each other to where you're not having to constantly reinvent the wheel, which is what we're all about here on Distribution First. So
1: Parthi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Justin.
0: It's interesting. One of the things we talked about, kind of this evolution of SEO, a little bit of how things have changed, right? Like things have changed a lot. Like Google's releasing new algorithm updates all the time. I'm seeing it like, hey, people are getting hit by this. Uh, You know, some people are, some people aren't. I think to start, I'd be interested to just kind of get your generalized take on where SEO is headed, what's happening in that space, and kind of where you see it evolving from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share my perspective. And for context, I think my perspective is informed from a couple of different places. A, I used to work on the search team at Google as a product manager there back um, around 2016 to 2019 or so. And now I'm kind of on the other side in startup land, building businesses, helping companies uh, think about marketing, and helping companies think about SEO. And so I've kind of seen both sides of this. And so one thing remains the same, which is kind of like the ethos behind search, which is try to get people answers to their questions. You search for something, how can we actually search what's out on the web across different types of media and actually give people something that answers their questions. So that that has remained true for the past 25 years across search. Now, how effectively Google actually executes against that is a different question because it's this sort of like whack-a-mole game where a lot of people realize this, they realize that it's a great distribution channel to get like your evergreen content out there and get people coming to you. And obviously people are trying to figure out, okay, like how do I game the system?
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: leads to a lot of la- bad behavior, leads to a lot of people putting out stuff that's not so great, which also makes the search experience worse. So, I think when people think about SEO, they should just think about the macro level of this ecosystem and like what people are trying to do. So, fast forward to today, like search has definitely changed. It used to be page rank and backlinks and then started looking at like the actual content of sites and that was pretty simplistic in terms of keywords. And now today with LMs over the past couple of years, Google has like their Palm 2 model, their Gemini model coming out soon. You've seen ChatGPT, GP4, Cloud 2, all of these models. We have something that sort of resembles understanding of actual content. I think this is like net good in the sense that it's helping machines actually understand and decipher between like bad content and good content is it actually answering the question. On the flip side of this You also have the problem where people are abusing the technology and being like, okay, let's just pump out thousands and thousands of pages. It goes kind of both ways. I think at the crux of it as a company, most people should not just understand that if you do what is best for your customer first, that's where you need to start. Do what's best for your customer. Answer their questions. Think about SEO second. And then go back to your content and think about how do I make this easier for Google to understand there's a second step. First step is definitely making sure it's for your customers. I think that will serve you best in the long run, independent of any sort of like Google update. The people who are generally impacted by this stuff over a longer period of time tend to be the people who did something wrong or weren't really thinking about their customers. It might last for six months, for a year, but over the long term, everybody at Google is working to make sure that that doesn't happen. And so that's my general advice. And I think there's more of a focus on information and having comprehensive answers to people's questions and being very customer-centric and people-first in the future of SEO. And I'm very excited about it.
0: I'm with you. I think it's interesting from the origins of SEO, you talk to anybody who was there when that was really sort of on the upswing Black hat, white hat, all these things. Like, how do we game it? How do we take this thing and twist it to where we can be number one? Right. It's a little bit of a it is a little bit of a game to try to try to do that. And despite all of the evolution of content, or th- that's still kind of in the background uh, in some of the SEO conversations and some of the world is like because it's a very clear ranking system. Right. There's a winner and there's a loser. There's a number one and there's a number you know a hundred. Right. And I've played those games. I'm eight. How do I get to three? What levers do, hey, everybody, let's get in a room. What levers do we pull to try to to try to do that? And, and those are, while those conversations are fine and maybe valuable at some point in time, it skips completely past what you mentioned, which is customers and what what's useful to the end user. You know, a lot of times the irony of that is to go from eight to five to eight to three, you have to have the best piece of content. It may not be that overnight thing, but if you do try to create the best piece of content for the audience, for the people who click on it, who when they get there, they get what they need. You're not filtered with a definition and a this and a that and a blah, 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 blah. blah. Oh, there, now I finally get my answer. Over the long term, you're probably gonna win what you're saying, right? Like, I think that's maybe the the overarching thing that I would think about is with SEO, you have to think long-term. It's not always this sort of like, which is funny because I think from the performance metric standpoint, like the thinking around it is keywords I can get, dashboards I can show. It feels short term, but overall it's really like a zooming out to look at the graph of like over time growth
1: versus like the daily dip. It's like the stock market a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, totally agree. And I feel like here's a rule of thumb that we have internally at LetterDrop for our own content. If we have a page on our website, we don't feel comfortable sharing it directly with a customer, via customer support or in the sales cycle. It's not good enough. Because you secretly are ashamed of sharing this with somebody you don't think it's helpful. Then why does it deserve to exist? Why does it deserve to be found via Google? And I don't think a lot of people think about that bar. They're thinking about vanity metrics like traffic. They're like, it's fine if it ranks somehow. Maybe there's low competition there's nothing else better out on the internet or maybe I've tricked Google to get it to rank. But then what? They get to your page. A real person gets to your page. They look at it and they think to themselves, this is garbage. You're not giving them a chance to even understand what's going on, build trust, be like, these people know what they're talking about and look for a CTA, click through, explore your site. And eventually what we are looking for with SEO is to become a customer, to get them educated. And so I think it's that kind of short-term thinking that's going to really hurt people or why SEO gets a bad rep. And I feel very strongly about this, having worked in the search team. I just, I feel like SEO is a dirty word now. Mm -hmm. And it really shouldn't be. It's a great way to search for information. It's just been abused quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes people have, internally have the wrong... Idea about SEO, which I think skews a lot of those things. I know just personally, like as somebody who built content engines around SEO, you can fudge the numbers. Great, we have look at all these keywords we're ranking for. Look at all our you know top ten pages, blah 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 blah. But unless those things are converting or drawing people in or driving traffic, like who who cares? I've audited companies where they're ranking for lots of terms and they're number one or they have the snippet and then you go there and it's just some tangential piece of content that doesn't kind of relates but like ranking number one really isn't doing anything for that other than you saying like you're sort of padding your stats a little bit in terms of what that looks like so i'm curious what are and then we'll get into some of the practical stuff what are some of the elements things that people, as you're building out this SEO content, because I think that's the other thing too, maybe when people think SEO content is giant wall of text, 2000 words, cram as much information on this page as I possibly can get all the FAQs on the end, like just, so I'm assuming that's evolved. What are some of the things that when you all are creating content, letter drops, when you're talking to other people, like what are those things you advise they include? What are the things, that, how should people sort of evolve their thinking around an SEO blog post?
1: So I think everything essentially revolves around search intent. So when someone searches for something, what is the underlying thing that they're looking for? If you put yourself in their shoes, what's the quickest way you can give them an answer and then kind of expand on that in, in a way that's relevant to them? And The way you answer search intent might be in different formats. It's not just like long walls of text. Sometimes search for how to tie your shoes. It's probably a YouTube video, for example. Certain things are better addressed by video, by charts, illustrations, by first-party opinions on like Reddit or Quora, or by detailed research PDFs. Search intent really matters. And so what I would say is first put yourself in the shoes of your visitor and figure out like, what can I give them? I think it is useful to look at what Google is currently surfacing to people and understanding like, Hey, is this a video? Is this a chart? Like what does Google think the right way to answer this is? And there's a lot of tooling out there, including artists, which does this in varying ways. But I think what's more important here is also figuring out like how are you going to actually tell a story or say something that's unique, especially over the past couple of years with LLMs, and it, it becomes easier and easier to just like copy people's skyscraper content. And so this earlier this year, Google has set up, said like they launched perspectives, they're really on perspectives. How do we get more people on YouTube videos, TikTok, Reddit, Quora, first-party opinions, and how do we surface that in search results? So you want to think about how do you embed real live opinions from experts in your pages. So think about multimedia, think about how do I pull in a quote for somebody? How do I do a podcast with somebody? How do I extract that? How do I embed that in my page that's gonna help you with search? And the second big thing is information gain. How do you stand out? How do you say something that nobody else is saying? If we say the same thing and HubSpot says the same thing, and HubSpot is HubSpot massive presence, like defined inbound marketing, there is no way or like no reason for Google to say, pull letter drops content up there when HubSpot is saying the same thing. There is a reason for Google to pull up our content or something that we say, if we say something that HubSpot isn't saying that answers search intent. So can we pull that unique customer perspective? Can we run an original study? Can we do something that's unique um, that warrants being pulled up? Especially with Google rolling out their search, SGE experience, They're sort of like, AI experience on top of search, it is reading all these pages and it's trying to pull, construct an answer based on what it's seen out there. And if it sees the same definition, what is X time after time across every page, it's just gonna be like, okay, look, I got what is X from that first page. I don't need to get what is X from page number seven, but page number eight is talking about this really unique perspective that none of these other pages are talking about. I'm gonna pull that up and surface it to people. And so I think, and this is why I'm excited about the future with this, as scary as it is, is because it is generally moving in the right direction in terms of getting people unique information and getting people closer to answers from first party. Google understands that people are appending Reddit at the end of searches for a reason and they're trying to really address that.
0: It gets me really excited too, because I think one of the downfalls or the maybe more boring aspects of SEO content that I've lived through is that it does sometimes feel like you're trying to just copy and paste what one, two, and three are doing, even to like all the title tags are the same, like seven ways, four ways, eight ways. And they're all like, it's just like a different number. And they're all the same. It all just kind of ends up feeling the same to where now it's, if you can stand out And be unique, even from a title tag, I'm sure you're this way. I'm sure most users, you know what to avoid at this point, right? You're scrolling a a LinkedIn feed. You know what ads look like before you, you know, it takes you like a millisecond to, oh, that's an ad. I'm going to keep going. Uh, Google search, no different. Like I know by that title tag, what type of post that is. It's not giving me what I want. That's going to be generic. And so having those unique perspectives, those unique ways of doing content, I think, is going to be massively important. A, because you're competing with other people and LLMs, (laughs) you right for generic answers. But B, people engage with other people. We want to know what other people think. We want to know it's why Reddit is so popular. It's why you know what I mean? Like I've even found myself doing that more. And I'm not even a massive engagement on Reddit by any means. If I type something in, I want to see what is this person's real life perspective on this thing that I'm searching for for me inherently it might be wrong I have to use some brain cells to figure out like do I agree with that is that correct is this right but yeah it at least is a unique perspective versus the sort of canned answer I may get if I just click on the number three blog post that's ranking for that so
1: sometimes, sometimes. Surfer Dude 97 from reddit is more trustworthy than your hubspot blog you never know
0: Sometimes because honestly, Surfer 97 is probably in the trenches right now trying to figure it out where that where that HubSpot blog hasn't been updated in two and a half years and stuff changes. Totally. Which is wild. So I think that's a great transition point. Like going to unique, how do we do that? One of the things you would mention to me was being able to use things like case studies or sales calls or things like using these pieces of content that are happening. Every company is doing sales calls consistently. Like, like, how do we think about using those for sales enablement? How do we think about repurposing or distributing those things out for adding them into into blog posts for SEO, for instance? Like, to add that unique perspective. It doesn't always. I think that's one of the things. Like, oh, how do I get unique perspective? Man, sales calls feels like a gold mine to me to be able to start mining for to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think taking a step back what is the purpose of content in a business, right? Primary purpose is like customer education. How do you get someone to go from unaware to problem-aware to solution-aware to product-aware, eventually buying your product? That's pretty much it. That is universally true of content. Now, how you distribute that content and what types of content belong on different channels, that is a separate problem. And so I think a lot of people start thinking about SEO as this, thing on its own, or like LinkedIn as its thing on, on its own, or podcast as its thing on its own. But the same ideas can work on all of these different channels. They're packaged differently, but the same ideas can work on all these different channels. And all of these content ideas come from the same places. Sales calls or essentially conversations with your customers or conversations with your teammates, conversations with partners, uh, conversations like this, essentially, right? It's like people talking to people educating each other about how to do something and helping them like get work done. And that's what B2B buyers for the most part really care about. It's just like how do I do my job? I do think every marketer should be really thinking about beyond just like keyword research, because nobody really needs another top of on what is X in your category. I can guarantee unless your category is completely brand new, it's saturated to hell. That's not what you need. What you really need is Trying to figure out, hey, like what do our actual customers care about? What are the problems they're coming to us with? What are the questions that they're asking? You're gonna find these in customer success calls, you're gonna find these in sales calls, you're gonna find these in communities, you're gonna find these on LinkedIn. This is like you're gonna find these out there in the world where people are actually asking these questions. And that kind of stuff is a great source for like what you should be creating content about. So at LetterDrop, for example, a lot of our content is influenced by what we hear from people in the community and on our sales calls, which is why we even bothered to build tooling to like automate that as well. And so I think what people should really be focusing on is like, once we have these right ideas, how do I now maximize and going back to what your podcast is completely about Is like repurposing distribution. How do I take this nugget of good information and how do I just put it out in as many places as possible where it makes sense? And so if you get a quote from a customer on a sales call, you sure as hell want to post that on LinkedIn, maybe anonymize if they are not comfortable with it, but like, here's what somebody who looks like you, who's another whatever, like CTO or another product marketer is saying, and you want to post that on LinkedIn. Or maybe you include that as a quote in your blog post. Or maybe you even have a clip of that recording and you put that on like social, unlike YouTube and clip it and put it on social media or Instagram or TikTok or whatever you have you. And so I think the really important part is going back to what I said earlier about unique perspectives, those unique perspectives are going to come from these conversations happening in your community or with your customers. You want to make sure you are A, noticing them, B, saving them. C, extracting them, and then D, actually putting them out into all of your content to make it unique. Because this is essentially what's going to make you stand out from your competitors. If your competitors can say the same... If you take your content and post it on your competitor's website or LinkedIn or what have you, your content is not sufficiently differentiated. And you need to think a little bit more carefully Mm. about how do I use our internal resources to tell our unique story?
0: distribution in repurposing is only as good as the content you have to distribute or repurpose. And so one of the things I always try to work with from the jump is what are your strong points of view, which is kind of what you mentioned earlier. And using that to reverse engineer and using that as a gut check to the content you are even thinking about creating. So if you have a list out of your top points of view, and sometimes the bigger the org, the harder it is to maybe come up with those things or get alignment on those things. But it's still super important. This doesn't even have to be for the company moving on. It could be for a campaign. Hey, we've got this campaign going out. What is our sort of stake in the ground for this campaign? What are we trying to get across? And then you find the things to support that. And then you start building those things around that to be able to actually have make sure that point of view is getting out because sometimes it's easy to say, yeah, we believe that. And then you audit the content and you say, oh, we haven't said that in a year we believe this. And I was like, well, if you audit what's on your LinkedIn page right now, like you don't believe that. Just because you know you believe that, nobody else knows you believe that because you haven't said it. And so it's like being able to understand that and then just 10X it because it's going to take 10 to 20 times of repetition over months and months to be like, oh, I get it. I'm just now seeing this a year into this. Justin, ah, distribution first. Yep, so Justin's at, ah, Justin, content hamster. You know, get off the content hamster reel. Oh, okay. Well, I've only said it <laughs> a million times over the last year and a half. So finally is starting to hit a little bit. But I'm curious with the with the sales calls too, like you go into traps you go into Samurai, you're like, oh, nobody's looking for this. How do you balance that in terms of being able to prioritize? This is what people are actually asking versus like, well, we're getting... We're getting a zero back. How do you kind of take that leap to be able to actually create that piece of content? Or is it, in that case, maybe not a blog post? Is it something else?
1: I will always pick the customer question over any data from Seton or or Um, Case in point, and I've seen this across our customers, I've seen this across ourselves, our best performing blog post from SEO perspective that has brought us in probably three or four customers in the past month or so has zero search volume like na on semrush nope like uh, as far as Semrush is concerned no one is searching for it it doesn't mean no one is searching for it what it really means is that the methods semrush or ahrefs use to estimate and these are estimates estimates search volume are off they're putting click trackers on people's web pages all that stuff maybe people who are my customers aren't in that representative sample of people of these clip trackers. And so from SEMrush's perspective, it looks like no one's searching for it. Um, so that's my first point, point. So even if like no people on SEMrush or Hrefs, or even like 30 people are searching for it, it's fine. I would rather get 30 qualified people to my site and have five of them convert and actually drive revenue for my business than go for some like super fluffy term where they're in the unaware stage as 20,000 people searching for it, but they're never gonna be customers, at least in the near future. And so I would always listen to your customers over any of that data. That data is just a gut check more so than anything. I think a lot of SEO strategies which start purely from keywords, um, especially in 2023, are kind of like doomed to fail. Like you really should be starting from your customer and not from keywords. Mm -hmm. Keywords are secondary, Um, they're just a data point. The second thing, I will say about this is seo is a pull channel demand capture someone's searching for something you just happen to be there you get in front of them and then you have your push channels which are like social media newsletters all those kinds of things where you're pushing something out into the world Um, and that's more more so demand generation and i think these work in tandem you push a lot of stuff out into the world you repeat yourself a million times and people like finally get like distribution first and then they go Google it and then you kind of capture that later. And so both of these work in harmony. And so in some ways you can I actually create that demand on your push channels by saying distribution first, distribution first so many times to the point where you start creating that demand and now you can capture it via SEO as well. So even if there's no one searching for it, you can now create it. There are companies reverse ETL, There are a couple of companies in this space. That was not a thing which existed two years ago. People made it a term. They started using it a lot. People started Googling the term. And the companies which made made the category or the term capture that as well. So you can see how this cycle works. And so I think the TLDR here is always be customer-centric. If a customer asks you something, that's way more important than what you're seeing on SEMrush. It can be a blog post. It can also be a social media post. Once again, a good idea is a good idea. And the way in which you layer that on or capture it is different. So maybe you do the social media post first because you're not in the demand capture phase of content, but then you also create the blog post later to actually capture that demand. And so going back to your point, just like good idea once, get it out everywhere.
0: How do we think about using what, or how do you maybe think about using webinars, podcasts, these more multimedia, I mean, obviously I've I've got this show, so I've got my own ideas on it, but I'd love, love your take on it. How do you use those for blog content, for SEO content? I think one of the pitfalls is the classic, we just throw the recording up after, or we throw up the recording and we also include the entire transcript underneath it. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's not great. It's Again, going back to user experience, not the best. Uh, I can't tell you a, a time I've ever read a transcript underneath a video unless well, I was watching the video and had to actually like consume it as it was scrolling. How do you think about that, Parthy? How do you think about using these? I mean, man, I was just talk- on a call this morning, creating six webinars a quarter. And what are we doing with them? Well, not much. We're building all this momentum up toward them and then Fading them out, and so how do you think about repurposing those type of things for for blog content, for SEO content, et cetera?
1: I think for the vast majority of like digital webinars and stuff like that, not a lot of people actually attend them live. A lot of people actually like watch them later, and so your leads are not coming in. I feel like a lot of demand gen and sales folks are like, "Oh yeah, like we we'll throw up like a gated webinar, and then we're, we're going to get a bunch of emails, and then we're going to spam the hell out of them." And I'm not saying you shouldn't collect emails and do that. I understand where sales is coming from with that, for sure, like our sales team also pressures us to do that. But I think there is a lot you can do with the actual content. I think the great thing about webinars is it's first party data. It's like people to people, it's human connection, people sharing their experiences. It is incredibly unique, it's a little bit of work to get going, you have to schedule time, have a conversation, all that kind of stuff. But this is where you're really going to stand out from having this kind of content. So I think the first thing people should be doing is thinking about, okay, how do I just like really juice it for all it's worth? How do I get these insights out of there? How do I go back, audit all of our content figure out the insights from this webinar, do snippets of these fit into like our blog posts, right? Can I take a snippet from this? Can I upload it to YouTube, clip it down? Can I take the quote, put it there and put it into a blog post somewhere? So that's going to help the blog post rank higher. It has more unique perspectives, all that kind of stuff. How do I take this and share it on social media? How do I, once again, take insights from here, clip it down, take a single insight, share it on LinkedIn, and then repetition matters. You can use that clip as many times as you want. Post it every month if you want, actually. Social media is ephemeral. People forget really easily. And so I think... A lot of people just leave their podcasts and webinars to die, Mm. just like somewhere on your website. Best case scenario, you maybe have a transcript, which to your point, nobody reads. You're Mm. missing out on SEO from that podcast or webinar not being discoverable because it doesn't have an easy to read text or blog companion to it that can be discovered via search. It is not being discovered via social media beyond like maybe the initial launch because it's not being repurposed, then insights from that are not being reposted. And I think a single webinar over a 12-month period can actually generate a lot of business for you if you take the energy to actually repurpose it. And so even me, like, I think we've probably talked about a lot of great stuff on this podcast. Once you publish this, I would love to, like, take this. We're going to drop it into our own tool. We're going to turn it into a blog post. We're going to clip it up, put it into LinkedIn. And we will sure as hell have some of these insights. Whatever I'm seeing right now, our, our writer's probably can pull those, put into our blog posts. And also post this to her social media. And I think content repurposing this way of like getting one good idea and sharing it as many times as possible is going to really help companies, especially in this market, like do more with less and all that stuff. Instead of spending more money on, on new content, like to make sure you're collecting the sort of exhaust from your existing company, like, your exist, like what's happening around you in your community, within your company. Take that exhaust, recycle it, and put it out into the world again, and you'll just get a lot more from writing that next What is X blog post.
0: Love it, Parthy. I'm just gonna throw that on my website now and just have you explain the whole uh, repurposing distribution value prop, and then I can stop doing that. (laughs) So, no, that was uh, totally, totally agree. I think two huge things there. The one is being more strategic with what you're creating. I think a lot of times it feels like as content folks, we have to constantly be creating everything. So we have to do in tandem three blog posts a week and a webinar every month and a podcast and this and that. The more I'm working with other companies and reflecting on sort of my life in the past, but then also looking ahead to where content is going, it feels much more like there are seasons of content for the creators and for the content marketers out there where your audience, I know this is not an original thought, but your audience doesn't care about your publishing schedule. I promise you they don't. I promise you they don't. They have no clue that you have six webinars coming this month. They have no clue that you are doing this video series and hey we release it every Tuesday and if we re- release it on Wednesday they'd freak out because they're expecting it no they don't care like they, <laughs> you're not stranger things you're not great british breakup you, you're not that so you can get over that people aren't bated breath waiting for your thing to drop but also like the idea of understanding what content you have to revitalize in a lot like seo that's a huge like i have done that for years is what was once ranking started to drift let's go update it that means refreshing the content but that also means to your point what multimedia content have we created recently that we can inject new life into that old piece of content what original thought can we put out there it helps to reframe the way you're doing content to where you it's how you get off the content hamster wheel honestly is like understanding the purpose of the content and understanding going back to the customer centric nature of it is why are we doing what we're doing a lot of times it's like well when you think internally it's revenue growth and mqls sqls that are agreed but at the end of the day like especially for content teams like you said it's education it's helping people view themselves as you know the ability to be a new type of person this transformation this idea that i was once this now i can be that that's how you get buy in that's how you More and more, especially for people selling products, products are, there's so many products now it's unbelievable and feature sets and all that can be cannibalized, right? Like you said, with HubSpot example, right? Or you're just going to go up against Google will come in and do something and you're like, well, now I'm going against Google. But if you have those unique takes, if you have those unique thoughts, if you have this unique perspective perspective people will buy in or they won't. And that's okay because the people who aren't going to buy in, they're probably not going to be your customer anyway, right? It's It goes back to that 20,000 versus 30 clicks a month. Well, 20,000 that converts at zero. I'd rather have the 30 that convert at five.
1: Absolutely. Totally yes. in the same page.
0: This has been super fun, Parthi. Oh, I say this, I feel like after every episode, and so I'm eventually going to have to start doing it. We will have to do a round two at some point because I feel like there's a lot, of, a lot we left out on the table, but super pumped to have you on. I think you gave a lot of people really, really good insights in terms of how to do SEO the right way, how to think about content and think about SEO as just a distribution channel in a lot of ways. It's just a piece of how you're doing content. It's not an end all be all. It's not a content strategy uh, and it's not keywords aren't a content strategy. So I think lots to take away here and uh, super pumped to have you on. Thanks, Parthi. Thanks
1: for having me, Justin. It was a blast.
0: All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are going to help you build your brand, 10x your content and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.